Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. All over the world, people watch live and watch later in the week our services, and it means the world to us that you do. If you're ever in Texas in the Bryan College Station area, I want to personally invite you to come out and experience a New Heights Church service live. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. Open your Bible to Psalms 119. It's a long one. It's a long psalm. We're going to go down to a verse, verse 105. If you don't have it, it's cool. We'll put it on the the screen behind me. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that your people would hear your voice today as we open your holy Bible. As we go to what your word says, let us find your truth and let let it change us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. I want to talk this morning, not too long, because we're going to be baptizing lots of people here in just a little bit. But I want you to know that better is available. Can we just say that together? Better is available. No matter where you are, better is available. Maybe this is the best year of your life. I want you to know this is not the end of your life. The rest of your life will still be the best of your life. Better is available. If you're in the valley of the shadow of death, better is available. Maybe you're in a rut. Have you ever, have you ever, I used to, uh, I used to, I still do have dirt bikes, but when I was a kid, I had a dirt bike, and I would ride it around, and, and when, you would, when I was riding around these trails, I would ride around, and I, I would take the same spot when I would come around corners, and I would make a rut in that one spot, and before you know it, I mean, the, the rut's only just a little bit wider than the tire, and, and it was harder to get out of the rut than it is to get into the rut. In life, it's not difficult to get in a rut but sometimes it can be challenging to get out of the rut. The reason is, is because a rut, oftentimes, you fall into it and you don't even realize it. You just wake up one day. Like the Apostle Paul, uh, the guy who wrote the book of uh, uh, Corinthians, both, both of them, as well as uh, 11 other books in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says that he would rail against and arrest and even murder Christians because he did not know That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't know. He was in a rut. He couldn't see out of it. I heard one person say one time that a rut is just a grave that's open on both ends. Sometimes you get into a rut of life and you don't even know it. So the question is, how do you develop or how do you see, spot, and identify the ruts of your life? Well, recently somebody came to my house. At 4 o'clock in the morning, matter of fact, they came to my house and uh, our little girl comes in our room and says, Dad, there's a car in our driveway. Well, our driveway is a quarter of a mile long. So I'm like, well, maybe they took a wrong turn. I walk out there. They're not in our driveway. They are next to our front door. And it's 4 o'clock in the morning, you know. So I have my, you know, I'm dressed just like this. Praise the Lord, you know. (laughs) I go. I turn the lights on. I immediately recognize the guy. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, man, he said, I I hate to bother you. He said, but my brother has been in a car accident, and we can't find him. I said, well, how do you know he's in a car accident? He said, well, they found his car, but they can't find him. I said, okay. So he said, said, would you mind me looking around your property? Because I know him, and he thought maybe he would have tried to walk to my house because he knew where we live. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he's got a light, and he's looking, and the light is about this bright. And I'm like, bro, you're not going to see anything with that. I said, that's like for taking pictures. That's, for, that's a selfie light. That's not a real light. It's a selfie light. I said, hold on just a minute. I said, let me get a light. And I go in, and some of you guys may know what I'm talking about. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. But I am from deep east Texas where there are more pine trees than people. And I have never been alive that I did not own at least two Q-beams. You know what I'm talking about? 
And I had this light called a Q-beam. And a Q-beam, if you don't know, if you shine it towards a chicken coop, roosters start crowing. That's how bright it is. They think it's daylight. So I get the light and I walk out there. And when I say bright, I'm talking about it's so bright you can hear it. Like you turn it on, it's like, wom, 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 wom. You point it up in the sky and planes start coming to land near your house. You know, There's the airport there, right there, you know. If you're by the coast, the boats think it's a lighthouse. I mean, Q-beams are about, if you point it at a tree and you hold it there too long, it'll just cut it in half. So we go out and we're looking and we can't, you know, don't find anybody, anything. So we go back in and... He ended up calling me later. He said, man, he had found a ride home. He's all right. Praise God. Everything was wonderful. But the thing was, it was the light that exposed everything. And you can only walk in the light that you have. So if this is the amount of light that you have, you might be in a rut and not even know it. You see what I'm saying? Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Somebody say amen. Amen. And a light unto my path. So if you have, now get this. If you have just a little bit of God's word in you, this is the amount of light that you have to deal with. Because his word is a lamp and a light. But if you, and You're already doing it. You're here on a Sunday morning. If you're making the attempt, you're in the house of God, you're uh, uh, following after the things of God, you're reading God's Bible, you're trying to find out what it says. Now, all of a sudden, you start to get to the place where you have a lot more of the light, which is the Word of the living God. Now, all of a sudden, it starts to expose things in your life that you could not see before. Does that make sense? So you're going and, and you realize, man, I feel like I'm in a rut. And then all of a sudden the light comes and you go, oh, well, there's the rut right there. I want to talk about God's precepts. Somebody say precepts. God's precepts always precede God's promises. When you follow after his precepts, you have access to his promises. Think about it like this. Who in here has kids? Just raise one hand. If you have children and you tell them what to do and they do it, they have access to more of the benefits that are in your family. If you lay out some precepts and they don't do it, you don't scratch their name off of their birth certificate. Some of you are like, you don't? Like, that's the first thing we did. Praise the Lord. Cut it out right there. Your name is Nonami. No name. They're still yours. You're just probably not going to take them to spoons later that day or to get ice cream. They don't, they don't do what you said. They're still yours. You still love them. But they don't have access to all the promises that are available through the power that is in your hands, your ability to bless them and the limited, the limited ability that we actually have compared to the unlimited ability that God has. Does that make sense? So when we follow after God's precepts, we begin to access more of his promises, but we have to have the light of the word to expose the ruts of our life. Somebody say amen. I'm going to spend about five minutes and it's going to get kind of thick in here, kind of heavy. It's not going to be time for shouting. It's going to be time just to go, okay, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Because God gives us 10 specific precepts in the book of Exodus that identify a couple things. Number one, it identifies that we all need a Savior because every single one of us has missed at least one of these precepts, if not all of them or most of them. The second thing it does is it builds a recipe for the abundant life. If you go into, uh, used to be Betty Crocker would have a recipe book. I don't know if you still have it now that Google comes out. All you do is Google what's the best recipe, and then you do that. 
But used to, the recipe book, Betty Crocker would tell you, put two eggs, put this much baking powder, this much flour, put a whole bunch of sugar, and it'll turn out really, really good. This was what you would follow. And if you would follow the recipe, you had an anticipated result that was beneficial to everybody involved. If you don't follow the recipe, there's no promise of what you're going to get. You see what I'm saying? So the Bible says in Exodus 20, don't, don't turn there. You can read this later. I'm just going to identify them quickly. There's 10 commandments. If you've ever heard of the 10 commandments, just lift one hand. Even if you can't memorize them, not what I you, but you've heard of them. 10 commandments. Praise the Lord. The 10 commandments are not the 10 suggestions. They're not the 10 good ideas. They are the commandments of Almighty God. And in those commandments lies the proof that you and me need a Savior. Because before it's over, you will have broken one, if not most of them, in your life. You need a Savior. You need a Savior to come in. But the other thing that the Ten Commandments do, they're not an electric razor wire fence that God built around Christians to try to keep us from having any fun. They are actually the recipe for the abundant life. Somebody say amen. So number one, the first commandment, get this, is don't have any other gods before Almighty God. Well, that's easy. There's, you know, there's not that many gods out there in common culture today in the big picture of what people are knowingly worshiping. But the issue is that word gods in the original language can be translated several different ways. It can be translated uh, ruler, judge, works, and then it can also be translated like this, a special possession. Don't have anything that you rank higher than God. Don't wait, don't take anything that you rank above who God is. Not a special possession, not your favorite car, not your favorite signed basketball, not your favorite purse, not your favorite pair of shoes, not your favorite idea, not the dearlies, not a game of golf, not it, nothing, not a school, nothing is supposed to be higher than who God is in your life. And here's the thing, I cannot inventory your life, nor would I, okay? Each one of us has to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But we ought each inventory our life and say, honestly, is there something that is placed? Now, nobody would ever say it. Nobody would ever would profess, this is more important to me than God. But you know a tree, the Bible says, by its fruit by what's hanging off of it. You know a tree by the actions that it makes, what you see. So you got to do an inventory in your own life and say, is there something in my life that has precedence over the things of God and Almighty God in my life? Because if so, you're in a rut and you don't even know it. There is better available And you don't even know it. It takes the light of the word to expose it. Told you it's going to get heavy in here. The second one, have no idols or idol worship. Again, not many people are making little idols and and sticking them on a shelf and worshiping them. Not many people are taking their earrings out and melting them down. But that's not all God is melting them down and making a little gold statue out of it. That's not all God's talking about. He's saying, don't idolize something or somebody to the point that you have aspirations of them more than you have aspirations of who God is. In today's society, social media is lying to you all day, every day. People post their vacations and they never post when the dog chews the trash up in their kitchen garbage can. They never post when their credit score goes down 75 points. You see what I'm saying? So what happens is, is we see all these people. Oh, I wish I could vacation like that. If I had this figured out, boy, that'd be the way I'd be. Oh, my goodness. And, and don't ever use words like that. I, I just worship them. Don't ever use words like that. That's the most powerful thing you got is your mouth. 
what you say. You could, there's nothing wrong with liking a singer or a celebrity or something like that, but make absolutely certain that they don't. that kind of stuff doesn't become an idol in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Because what happens is the light of the word can shine it on you, but you've got to do your own inventory. You've got to look at it and go, okay, I know every lyric to every Beyonce song, but I can't quote five scriptures. You see what I'm saying? So we just do an inventory, and there's nothing wrong with knowing songs, nothing wrong like that. I like good music too. They asked Stevie Wonder, so what kind of music do you like? He said, there's only two types, good music and bad music, and I prefer good music. So whatever music, I'm not, I'm not here to throw rocks at people's music or whatever, but I am here to say you might be in a rut and better's available. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Number three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Jesus Christ is the name that is above every name. It's not a cuss word. Every movie you ever see, every television show you ever see, you're going to see somebody, they're going to hit their finger with a hammer and they're going to say, Jesus Christ. Something bad's going to happen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And nobody knows what they're doing when they say it, but it is an entire attempt of the enemy to desensitize you to the name that will set you free. It is a total attempt to desensitize humanity to the only name that will set you free. When is the last time you saw somebody hit their finger with a hammer and say, Muhammad? (laughs) Gandhi. It's all a ploy... And the people doing it, they're not bad people generally. They're not trying to do it. They don't know because the light has not been shined. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes you can be in a rut and not even know it. Are you using Jesus' name in vain? Jesus Christ. Then you need him and you call on him. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. And if I'm the Lord, I'm looking down going, is my son's name a cuss word or is he the name that's above every name? Which is it? Because you can be in a rut, you see what I'm saying? And not even know it. Does that make sense? Jesus' name is not a cuss word. Jesus' name is not something to play with or toy with. It can be applied in any situation. I remember my son, he was walking down the the stairs at our house. And there's several stairs. They're they're wooden stairs. They're beautiful stairs. And my son, he is all boy, which means... From the time he was born, he was wearing cowboy boots, okay? And he was walking down the stairs in those cowboy boots, and he hung his heel on one of those stairs. He was probably four or five years old, and he fell head first down the stairs. I was right behind him, and it was one of the first times I'd ever let him walk in front of me, or in front of me down the stairs. I would always let him walk behind me. That way, if they fell, they'd just fall into me. And I was watching him, and I told him to hold on, but he, he, he hung his heel, and he, he missed the handle when he was going down, and he fell, he fell. Uh, uh, end over end and I watched his back fold up like a scorpion backwards you know and I said the only thing I could think of and it didn't even come out of my mind it just came out of my spirit I said Jesus and he falls down there and I go down there and pick him up and he's just a he looks like just a crumbled up pile and I pick him up I said are you okay he said yeah I'm fine Jesus caught me <laughs> his name is not a cuss word he's the only name whereby men can be saved You might be in a rut and not even know it. What if somebody around you is using the Lord's name in vain? It's not your job to work out their salvation. It doesn't hurt you. Now, if you have enough stock in the relationship with somebody close to you and you feel like you can, with the right spirit and the right nature, say, hey, man, hey, Jesus is real important to me. Would you mind, you know, not talking like that about him? If you have that, you can do it. But you're not, you're not the, the, the one who works out their salvation. You see what I'm saying? This is us. This is us talking about us. This is us doing what the prophet Michael Jackson said and looking in the mirror. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Welcome.
Welcome to New Heights, everybody. <laughs> Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. We all need to rest. You don't make good decisions when you're tired. You don't make good decisions when you're worn out. You don't make good decisions when you're totally stressed out. The old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, neither was the entire world. It was built in six days, and then God rested. Even God rests. The Sabbath, keep it holy. Used to, uh, generally speaking, the day, it still does, uh, you know, in actuality, the week starts on a Sunday. So we give God the first morning of the first day of the week, and we believe he's going to bless the rest of it. But the other side of it is uh, uh, used to, people would begin their work on Sunday, on the first day, and then they would rest on, on Saturday, the Sabbath. A lot of people still practice that today. I'm not against it at all. I think it's very wise. But I do think there should be a day of rest planned and programmed into your general life. You say, what does that mean? Well, what if I have to do something? Jesus was asked those exact, exact questions. And he says, if something comes up and you've got to do something, go do it. Praise the Lord. He said, if, a, if an ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath, of course somebody's going to get their ox out of the ditch. He said, that's just the way it is. He said, but, but you're going to have to recover. That's just the way humanity was made. Does that make sense? Sometimes we just have to work at it. Give me two amens. Somebody just say, amen. amen. Just like that. Number five, this is a big one. It's the first commandment that has a promise directly attached to it. It says, honor your father and mother. It does not say, if your mom and dad got everything right, honor them. It says, honor your father and mother. And then it says, if you do this, you'll have a long life and things will go well with you. Even if your parents weren't the best parents, it's still your job to honor them. Maybe they are good parents. I say you up the honor. Up the honor. When you honor your parents, you release blessing and favor over your own life. Maybe they said something to you. Maybe they don't live in the same town. Maybe something happened. You honor your parents. If the best honor you can do is sending them a card just to tell them that you love them and you're praying for them, then send them a card, tell them you're loving and you're praying for them. Because one day, number one, you won't be able to because they're going to cross over. And number two, you might be in a rut and not even know it. Why? What's, how come everything's against me? What's going on? Well, we'll take the light of the Word of God we examine our life and say, is there a rut? Well, where's the rut? Well, let's see. I don't take the Lord's name in vain. Praise the Lord. Let's see here. I don't have any other gods. I don't have any other idols. I think that's good. I try to keep the Sabbath the best of my ability. I'm looking. Look. Oh, my goodness gracious. I've said some mean things to my mom. I've been totally disrespectful to my dad. And kids, you can start this right now. You don't have this. Doesn't, listen, don't, don't wait till you're 40 and then regret for 40 years and then have 20 good years with your parents. You can start right now. Right this very second. And let me tell you how they learn how to honor. They learn how to honor from us, mom and dad. If we're honoring our parents, if we're honoring our wife or our husband, and if we're honoring them. We don't go provoking our kids to anger all the time. Just because you can tell them what to do, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't sit there and you still weigh out whether or not you should tell them to do that. Are you saying it because you're angry or are you saying it because it's the best thing for them? That's a real question that a parent should ask. And it tees their kid up to be honorable in the future because they won't see it now, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but they'll see it when they look back. You remember when you were 13 or 14 you thought your parents were dumb? And then you turn 24, 25, and you're like, boy, they've gotten a lot smarter in 10 years. <laughs> no, they knew what they were doing then. We just mature. But if they don't have an example of what honor looks like, and honor is something very interesting. Respect is earned, but honor is given. You can't make me honor you. That's something I have to give you. Honor is something that when we do it, it's one of the commodities of the kingdom in the house of God, in the things of God. 
the ministry. That's why we celebrate these guys that are coming. We're honoring the gift of God that's on their life and placing an expectation on what's going to actually happen when, we get, when they get here. If you're honoring your mom and dad, you got some access to some great promises. Now, God's not throwing you out of the family, so don't, don't mishear it. But you might be in a rut. All right, here's an easy one. I'm not going to have to spend near as much time on this. Don't commit murder. Moving on. <laughs> Here's one that will, it will bring about the murder one. Don't commit adultery. Do you, do you see how when we just read them out loud, how we can see that it's a recipe for success in our life? If you don't murder anybody, your life's probably going to be better than it would be if you were a murderer consistently. And God will forgive you and set you free. But when it comes to adultery, exact same thing. If you don't commit adultery, the odds of your family life and life being better than if you do is exponentially higher. It's a recipe for success. So let me tell you how to not commit adultery. Because... A lot of times people, they say things like this, man, I just fell into it. No. It started with something really, really small. If somebody walks by you, you know, smelling like banana boat, (laughs) and says to you, hey, how you doing? It would be better for you to just go, I'm fine and married, leave me alone. <laughs> than it would be for you to take one tiny step in the next direction. Because adultery most oftentimes starts with sharing something that should only belong to your spouse. Maybe, maybe just an idea, a thought, your day. Don't go sharing your day with everybody. That stuff is personal. And it starts opening the gate for the rest of the stuff. And then you say, well, it just happened. The devil is a liar. Banana boat walked up. That's when it started. <laughs> Same thing, ladies. You know, when you guys are, are working or, or wherever and, you know, comes and sits on the side of your desk. So what... What do you have planned later? I'm going home to my husband, whom I love, who will kill you if you try to mess with me. (laughs) See how close they're related? Adultery and murder. (laughs) It would be better for you to offend them a thousand times than it would be for you to slip into this nonsense. This is the recipe for the abundant life. His precepts. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Same thing. You say, well, I've never stolen anything. Are you stealing time at work? Moving on. (laughs) I had a job one summer, and I didn't know that people did this because I always worked for my family. And my family, we always worked. When I grew up, you were either working, you were at school, you were at church, or you were playing a sport. Those were your options. I remember I I, I called one time, we had a babysitter, and I called my mom, and I said, Mom, I'm bored. She said, I'll be right there. She came, picked me up, and worked me like a rented mule, and I went home, and she said, you going to be bored tomorrow? I said, I'll never be bored another day of my life, Mom. (laughs) You don't have to worry about that. Praise the Lord. So I didn't know anything but work. We get up, work, Saturday morning. Guess what that was? That was when you worked at home. It was great. All the time. Go to church. What was church? Well, church starts at 10 o'clock. Oh, we get to sleep in. Not my family, because you're going to be there at 8. Why? We got to make sure everything's done. What needs to be done? Won't know till we get there. Those were the kind of answers I got all the time. Pastor be up there talking about, we're going to have a work day on such and such, 
And my mom's just looking over at it and saying, you hear that? Workday. That will be your middle name. Brian Workday Hallam. Praise God. I got three boys here for you, preacher. You don't worry about it. They're going to work till they can't work anymore. Praise God. We just work. So I got this summer job. It was one of my first summer jobs where I didn't work for my family. And I worked for this outfit. And uh, we did like trucks and stuff, big trucks. And, and we're headed to this, to this thing to, to work. And this guy pulls over like in this roadside park and pulls up underneath the shade tree and, and turns the truck off. I said, what are we doing? He said, going to take a nap. I said, man, we're going to get fired. He said, my boss does this too. I said, well, praise the Lord. Put my feet up on the dash, took me a little nap. What are you going to do? It's hard to kick against the pricks, the Bible said. It's hard to go against everybody all the time. So anyway, maybe you're stealing from work. You know those Bible verses that we love, like you're going to reap what you sow? Like it works both ways. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you're stealing hours, time, and God blesses you with a business, your harvest is going to come in just like that. You're going to have some people sitting under shade trees with their feet up. This is, this is a rut, okay? So again, I'm not here to be mad at him. I'm not mad at anybody. But we have to use the Bible, almost done, have to use the Bible as that light. Number nine, don't bear false witness about your neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbor. The Bible says the devil is a liar and the father of lies. He is not your father. Your father is in heaven. He made a way for you. Many people think that business, you have to lie. I completely disagree. I've been in business uh, all of my adult life, and we make a stringent effort to try to be honest, and I have always seen God exposed when people were dishonest because you can't remember what you said all the time and it'll catch you and then the Bible says a good name is more valuable than silver and gold and now nobody can trust you God's not throwing you out of his family but you might be in a rut and you don't know it how come everybody's against me well are you being honest and I'm not saying Rawr, be honest I'm saying get the mirror out look at your life and honestly see is there a rut Because when we apply the light of the word to it, that's what gives us access to break out and access to what's actually available because better is actually available. There is a better way. There is a better way to live. You say, is this what gets you into heaven? Jesus gets you to heaven. That's it. But if you want to experience the abundant life, you have to follow the recipe. And if you start adding a bunch of ingredients that he didn't tell you to put in, or you take out the ingredients that he did tell you to put in, you can still live a life. You just don't have the life that's promised because you have changed the recipe. Does that make sense? Last one. Somebody say amen and thank God. (laughs) Don't covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife or any of the other stuff that they have. Listen, God's no respecter of persons. In today's terminology, the way we would say that, is God doesn't love one person more than he loves somebody else. Except me. No, I'm just kidding. He's no respecter of person. If he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. If he'll do it for Billy, he'll do it for Johnny. If he'll do it for Susie, he'll do it for Sally. All the way. So when you see somebody else's stuff, you got to commit to this. I'll never get jealous. I will only get inspired. It's a freeing way of life. I'll never get jealous. I'll only get inspired. Let's say that together. I'll never get jealous. I'll only get inspired. Because when you see somebody else attain something, something happens, a blessing, their kid goes to the front of the class, whatever it is, that means that's possible for you. But if you're spending your time and every time you drive by, oh, I wish I had Billy's life. I wish I had Billy's car. I wish I had Billy's house. I wish I had Susie's house. I wish I had Susie's car. Before you know it, you're going to wake up one day and you go, oh my goodness gracious, I'm in another rut and I didn't even know I was in it. I'm stuck right here staring at everybody else's stuff. God's got all this other stuff, but I've dug a rut so deep I can't even see what God's trying to do in my life. 
That's what the light of the word does. It exposes those opportunities. And then you say, I'm getting out of this thing. And you start to start to climb out of the rut. And you say, man, I'm getting out of here. And God, with his mighty right hand, reaches down and grabs you from the mess that you put yourself in. That's how good God is. We put ourselves in a mess. And he pulls us out. Oh, you think God would really do that? Your three-year-old child is running through the yard falls down and you say no 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 come back here and they run away from you and they fall in an ant bed do you let the ants eat them because they've been disobedient or do you do or do you go rescue your child again and we're just people he is love itself Of course he will rescue you again. Of course he will pull you out of the ditch. Of course he will set your feet on a solid rock. Of course he'll give you access to the promises of God. It's his good pleasure to bless you. No good parent looks at Christmas morning and says, I hope my kids got me some good stuff. You look at the tree and you thank God that he has blessed you so that you can bless your children. This is God's heart. He is longing to bless you. He said the Ten Commandments are not restrictive agents to stop you from enjoying life. They are the very foundation of the abundant life. You apply that to your life. You say, I went out of this rut. I went out of this muck. I went out of this miry clay. And he will set you on a solid rock, plant you on your way, and begin to open doors for you that you could have never opened for yourself. This is his whole and finite desire for your life, that you would have life and have it more abundant. There was a guy named Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul in the Old Testament, he was a king before David. And the Bible says that he was warned. He was like, hey, you're going to go to war. You're going to win. But don't bring anything back with you. Saul had a great idea. Doesn't that sound like us? We know what we should do, but we have a great idea. He said, I'm going to take some of the stuff back, give it to my boys, give it to the people with me. And then I'm going to sacrifice a whole bunch of stuff to God. Won't I be something? And he comes and Samuel, the prophet of God, says, what have you done? He said, well, look what I sacrificed to God. Samuel says, obedience is far better than sacrifice. Everything that's on your family has lifted now. You soon will be replaced. Because he didn't understand the most powerful thing you can do in the kingdom of God is do what God said. Look at your life through the lens of God's word, through the light of his Bible. Are there some ruts that maybe you didn't know you were in that you're in today? Are there some issues where you go, hey, man, I've been experiencing some stuff and and I'm 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 not ready to give up. But now I realize maybe I've put myself in a rut when better actually available. One of the simplest acts of obedience. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching. He says, you need to repent and you need to be baptized to be saved. Lots of people are going to be baptized today. It's a huge step of faith. It's an outward expression of an inward emotion. But it's even more than that because it's very supernatural. The Bible says the Israelites came out of Egypt after 400 years of being slaves. God freed them by the blood of the Lamb. And the first thing that happened is they went through the Red Sea. Does anybody remember that story? Just wave at me. They walked through the Red Sea. God parted the waters. They went through the Red Sea. What was interesting is the Egyptians followed them with chariots trying to kill them. They were going to overtake them and they were going to kill them. And the Bible says as soon as the Israelites got to the other side, in other words, as soon as they passed through the water, all of a sudden the water crashed down on what was pursuing them. In other words, it's a form and type and shadow of baptism. And what was trying to harm them went into the water, but it didn't come out of the water. Many of you today are going to be baptized, and that that has been plaguing you and following you like a rabid dog will go into the water but it's not coming out of the water you go in one way you come out another 
Maybe you've never been baptized and you're here today. You said, preacher, that's me. I want that experience. We have everything ready for you. We have clothes. And at the end of service, in a, in a, in a few minutes, I'll dismiss you. And everybody who's ready to be baptized can be baptized. And you say, man, I want to be baptized today. Listen, I encourage you to do it. We got shorts. We got towels. We got everything you'll need. But if you don't just get delivered, the Bible says this in Galatians. I love this part. It says, all those who have been baptized... One translation says, have put on Christ. Another translation says you are clothed or enveloped in Christ. When you go under the water, what's interesting, the minute you go under, you are all wet. None of you is not enveloped in the water. All those who are baptized are clothed, wrapped, enveloped in Christ. That means when the enemy looks at you, he has a hard time differentiating. Is that Brian or is that Jesus? Because I'm enveloped in Christ. When I go to the throne room of heaven, when I walk into God's glory, I don't walk in boldly because I got it right. I walk in boldly because I'm wrapped in Jesus. You see, it's a different thing when you get baptized. You say, man, that's me. I need that. Why should I do it? I think the most important reason, personally, because he said so. He said be baptized. I can give you testimony after testimony of people who struggle and they get baptized and all of a sudden they're delivered from alcoholism, depression, anxiety, healed in their physical body, filled with the Spirit of God. All kind of things happen when the when the supernatural power of God gets on your natural self. Baptism is one of the greatest things that we have because it's a very public display of our faith. Even Jesus, as an example for us, chose to be. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. If you're here today, you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. In the overflow, I thank you so much for coming to our service and being a part even there. With all your heads bowed, your eyes closed as well. You're included in this. We thank you so much for coming. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, you say, I'm not living right, I'm not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of my life. Or maybe you would say it differently. You would say, you know what, preacher, I used to walk strong with God, but something has happened to me. I've fallen away from Him. He might still be my Savior, but I'm not sure I'm a good friend to Him. You'd say, I'm backslidden. And you want to come home. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, Jesus, remember me. Listen to me. He really, really will. He'll set your feet on a solid rock change you from the inside out pull you out of those ruts of your life that a lot of times we don't even know we're in until the word, the light comes and exposes it if that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus or you say, you know what, it's just been too long, I know I need to rededicate my life today, when I count to three nobody's looking around, when I count to three I want you to lift your hand tall and bold, with an uplifted hand you're saying, that's me Lord, that's me one Two, three, lift your hand. There's hands all over. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. I see that hand. 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 Thank you very much. I see that hand. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? Lift it tall and bold now. You're not too young. You're not too old. your hands down let's all now in one mind 
Let's all just lift our hands. If you're not comfortable with it, I really encourage you to get comfortable with it. It's all through the Bible. We lift our heart with our hands. We lift up holy hands to the Lord. Worshiping Him doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger in who He is. Just lift your hands. Just for a moment, just have your mind on Him. If He's exposed a rut or two in your life today, just give it to Him right now. Let Him pull it off of you. Let Him take you out of that thing, that place, that way, that idea. Sometimes preachers say things that rhyme. Let me just say this, that stinking thinking. His plans for you are so good. He doesn't cause everything that happens in your life to happen, but He'll cause every single thing that has ever happened to work for your good. It's just His miraculous power. It's what He's able, it's what He's capable to do. He's more than enough. More than sufficient. All-encompassing and all-consuming. He's the very embodiment of strength and power yet comes to you in the greatest, most simple form of love imaginable. He'll change your very life. He'll move into your home and make it a place of peace and rest. Cause a shift to happen echoes through every generation in your lineage. He's not a weak God to be trifled with. He's an all-powerful God to serve and to love and to willingly obey because He does so much us. Let's just all say this, say this, say, I receive says that he's closest to the brokenhearted. He's closer to you right now than you could ever imagine. Healing and mending. Changing and helping. Molding and shifting, shaping. Healing the highest, most profound level. That's who he is. Now if you lifted your hand to be saved, rededicate your life. I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart after me. Matter of fact, the whole church, help us all pray together. Say this. Say, Oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I give you my life. I turn from sin. I'm a Christian now. On my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand. Oh, come on, let's do better than that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to dismiss in just a minute. If you're going to be baptized today, you're free to go now. Uh, Go ahead and make your way out. But let me just say a couple more. Matter of fact, freeze just one second. Let me ask this. here today you've never joined our church but this is the church for you and the overflow as well you know it you know this is the church for you the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord they'll flourish in God's courts maybe this is your first time you've been coming for weeks or months and you say man I know this is the place God has for me there's not a 12 step program to join our church I'm not going to call you to the front I'm not going to put a microphone in your face and I'm not going to embarrass you but that bold declaration of faith to say I want to be a part of this this body of believers. We have a super simple vision. You know it, say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. The reason that's important is because you know people we don't know. You know people that need Jesus that we don't know. The Bible says that whenever you are partnered together, when you join a ministry like this, that you are a partaker of every grace that's on this house. 
We want every grace that's on this house, on your family. Every time somebody says yes to Jesus in this building, it goes to the account of every member of this church. We're all working together trying to see that come to pass. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I know this is the church for me. I want to join it. When I count to three, just lift your hand. And all we're going to do is clap our hands and tell you we love you. But I promise you, it can change your very life. If that's you and you want to make New Heights Church your home church today, when I count to three, lift your hand real tall. One, two, three. Lift them up tall. Come on, give them a hand, y'all. God bless you. Lift them high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lift them high. God bless you. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you in the back. Listen, let me just talk to you for just a second. You're making a huge decision. I want you to know that God's going to back your plan. Be in the house of God as often as you can. Get yourself in a life group. What happens in our life groups is people get together and iron sharpens iron. We cry together. We laugh together. We eat nachos together. We have fun together, praise the Lord. But literally... Being a part of New Heights can change every single facet of life. Give us one year, I promise you, you'll never be the same. If you lifted your hand to join our church, before you leave, make sure and stop by the light wall so we can get your information. We'll send you all the data about it. Next weekend, get to our 5 o'clock service, our 5 o'clock meeting for our New to New Heights. I promise you, you're going to be glad you did. Somebody just put your hands together. So proud of you. When we dismiss in just a second, it'll be like a five-minute intermission. Everybody that's being baptized that's on the list at that time, go change and then uh, meet at the light wall. If you want to be baptized and you didn't bring your stuff, it's no problem. Just go to the light wall. We'll get you everything you need. It's going to be a powerful time. If you're here to see somebody get baptized, go get your kids out of New Heights Kids so that they can see it too. Whenever they see these kind of things, it benefits them as well. It's a powerful, powerful thing to be water baptized. Somebody say amen to that. Let's all lift one hand. Father, in Jesus' name, for those who are joining our church, I thank you for blessing them in the city and the field. I thank you that they'll be rooted here at New Heights Church and they will flourish, Lord God, in your courts. Now, for every person, under the sound of my voice, I thank you for sending them to New Heights. For those who are going to be baptized, I thank you, Lord God, for changing them with your supernatural power and delivering each one of us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.